Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. It's pride season. The weather is heating up and it's time to show up and show out. Every weekend in some city, you can find folks letting their rainbow flag fly bringing sexy back, and one of the most powerful ways to manifest your sexy magic is by knowing your status, according to today's guest. StatusSexy.com, a program of unified HIV health and beyond, started as a place to increase testing and decrease the stigma around HIV for young men. The site is a place to get facts, on HIV and for individuals to express themselves as the generation that has only known the world with HIV AIDS as part of it. Our guests believe that there's nothing sexier than confidence in yourself, in your partners, and in the bedroom. The only way to get that confidence is to know your HIV status, whether you're negative or positive. Knowing your status is always sexy when you know it. Joining Collections by Michelle Brown today are two members of a status sexy team, Akila Benton and Kaywan Hill. Ms. Benton is a public health professional with extensive experience in practical and research-based work with persons living with HIV, both domestically and abroad. Early on, she developed a passion for understanding cultural differences in the context of health care. While pursuing her master's degree in Florida, she had an opportunity to work with a research study that adapted the renowned HIV behavioral health intervention, Healthy Relationships. Her work in Florida led to an opportunity with WITS Productive Health and HIV Institute's Maternal Health Clinic in South Africa. Following her work in South Africa, she considered a number of career options, but decided to move back to Detroit, joining the staff of AIDS Partnership Michigan. After APM merged with HIV AIDS Resource Center to become Unified HIV Health and Beyond, she stayed on and currently serves as Interim Vice President of Community Research and Innovation. Also from Detroit, Kiwan D. Hill is a community outreach specialist. He uses his passion for public speaking and HIV to develop innovative sex-positive outreach strategies to reach communities of color. Prior to this role, Kiwan saw the many issues plaguing his community where HIV prevalence is at its highest, so he educated himself and developed a strong social media following 
with his candid delivery. Kwan understands the importance of his work and strives to provide safe sex awareness to those hard to reach populations through condom distribution, community talk, events, and bar outreach. Kwan works diligently to come up with creative ways to encourage people to get tested and to know their status. He's currently pursuing a degree in media broadcasting and aspires to be a television host. Akila and Kiwan, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you both today? I'm great. Thank you for having us on the show. Okay. Are you still there, Kiwan? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for having us on the show. I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, okay. Well, well, you know, that's really great. You know, I, and I was telling you before we started, um, I've worked with a lot of people who are involved with working with HIV, people who are affected by and living with HIV and AIDS, and they all love the name Status Sexy. But one of the things that I find that, that's really great about it is that you're reaching people where they are at. Um, Akila, you know, how did you come to Status Sexy, and how did you feel that it, it's like a natural progression from the many different things that you've done, which have been about reaching people in community? Yeah, so um, I started with what was APM back in, I believe, 2004, um, and I started as the Community Mobilization court and PR Coordinator with Unified, and this was right um, on the cusp of us merging with HIV AIDS Resource Center and now we're Unified HIV Health and Beyond. So um, initially, you know, I've done a lot of public health research and research on HIV, but I've always had a passion for grassroots work and working with marginalized populations, specifically those populations of color. So it was a natural fit when I interviewed for the position to be able to use my public health expertise but apply it in a grassroots manner and work with the community to kind of affect change um, and really involve populations, specifically the LGBT population that's um, most harshly affected by HIV and AIDS here in the metro Detroit area. So um, status sexy was already something that was was in place. In fact, um, it was an outgrowth out of an empowerment program back in 2006. Um, Then AIDS Partnership Michigan was awarded a CDC grant um, for black MSM, and that was between the ages of 13 and 24. Um, And this eventually became known as the Rec Boys, which is really enough to change, Uh which was recognized by the CDC as one of the five best HIV programs in the country in 2008. And we're happy to say many of the former rec boys are, are now employed, gainfully employed at Unified, and we actually have three former rec boy members who are in leadership positions of our organization. So that just goes to show the success of um, an empowerment, a program, an outreach program like this to really um, reach the LGBT population, but really help to develop professional and personal skills, skills for people. Um, so, and then later in 2010, uh, we were awarded uh, money by the Michigan Department of Community Health to kind of implement a mobilization and social media campaign, and that's when the Rec Boys funding had ended. So initially. Um, Status Sexy was just uh, 
a social media campaign at the time for testing mm-hmm. for young MSM. Um, and then later we kind of honed it and developed it, and we are now one of the largest condom distribution um, sites in, in the state. Uh, we distribute condoms to an array of organizations and places, and then we've also kind of developed like this outreach system to kind of go in hand with the social media prevalent, prevalent prevalence in our website and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's great. I think it's great having Kwan on board, um, being that he's directly connected to the community to kind of uh, personally affect that change and meet people where they are. So, you know, we've had, you know, to show you, you know, we have had back in, I mean, years ago, Hank Milborn with um, who was with AIDS Partnership Michigan, and I remember back when the Rec Boys started, and I mean to see that continue and evolve and to go on, and so many people who are really engaged in this work passed through those organizations. We've also had like Felix and Paula Searles who, mm-hmm. but it's like uh, all of these people who have been involved in it, and so to see that evolution and to see it continue to go to where you joined, and now we have Kewan. And how did you, you know, I know you have this other presence, but what drew you to making this your work? Was that question for me? Yes. Um, well, basically, I had did a, um, I had a, I had my own Internet show, and I had did a show with Status Sexy, and we had a panel of people that were from the community, and we were just having, like, an organic conversation about safer sex and safety measures and things we could do to be safer. And so they had a position open about a community outreach specialist, and I definitely wanted to apply. I thought it would be a great fit for me, and um, I applied, and I got it. And we just kind of took it to a new level. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you did you did a lot of other things. I mean, like you had your own media presence and you were doing it. And um mm-hmm. and you saw that that was just a natural way of doing it. And I guess this is for both of you. When you you look at status sexy and I do see that you're going to, you know, you're meeting people at where where they're at. How mm-hmm. important is that? Um I would say that, that that's the core of uh, one of like our values at Unified, not just with Status Sexy, but as an agency as a whole, it's um, the mentality. You know that we use. I also work with the people living with HIV stigma index, and you know their motto is kind of for us, by us. So it's important to if if you want to kind of change the trajectory of these statistics and what's going on in the community, you know, we can sit behind our desk and say what we think might work um, and what, you know, a book tells us or research tells us could be a good intervention or a good program. But if the community is not involved in those decision-making skills and meeting people where they are and really finding out what are some of the barriers to, you know, safe sex, what are some of the barriers to access to health care or to getting tested or saying adherent to your medication, um, you know, nothing is going to change. So I would say that, 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 is, that is one of the main things that is very important to our organization. You know, even down to not even speaking about satisfaction, you know, our case managers, our, our schedules and, and, and how our staff work, you know, we have unconventional work hours sometimes, but that's what it takes. Like, 
to reach the population which we're trying to reach, you can't just do it between the hours of nine to five. So kind of being innovative and finding those those strategies. So, hey, you know, condom usage is down, so we know young people or a certain population are going to the bar or a certain bar, this is the popular place to be this night of the week. Why not be there and have that preventative information there for them and we can provide safe sex and risk reduction materials or there's someone there to be a liaison if someone is out of care and needs to get connected back into care. We want to, you know, be there to help assist in that. Yeah, and I have to agree with Akila on that. I, um, before I joined Static Sexy, I've always wanted to, I've heard about like Static Sexy, and I think that it attracts people to know like what is Static Sexy, and once you find out what Static Sexy is, it, like one of our main messages is to know your status is, is sexy, and we get people, we attract people, and we do that by doing our different outreaches and going to the places we go to. We have um, different groups such as um, our Slim Myself group, and we have the community members. They come out, and we just have an organic conversation about where to meet them because it's important to hear what the community has to say, the way that they think, and to educate them and tell them about ways that they can be safer. So meeting them where they're at for us is really, really important in all parts of the agency. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, um, I want to say back in April, I had as a guest um, Solomon Arnold, and he is – very big in the ballroom scene, particularly in Chicago. And one of the things that, you know, he had found, like they had this group of people who came to balls and to, you know, like incorporate getting tested, like maybe that was your admission, that's that's what you're doing. But also in doing it at that place, because he said that there were also still some people, because the stigma is still out there and they might not want to go to, this place, that place, or the other to do it. But here, like you said, amongst their peers and doing it, and also that, that celebration of, hey, I know my status, I'm kind of sexy. And he also liked your, your name, Status Sexy. But but have you found that, that by, by going to these other places that you still help overcome that stigma? And how, how prevalent is that stigma still out there to being, to knowing your status? The stigma is definitely still there. I think that it takes um, a relationship that needs to be built within the agency and the community um, as far as feeling comfortable about knowing your status and where you're getting tested at. I think that it's a great way to do it if you're at a, if you're at a club. If you know that this is where the community is going to be and they don't mind doing it, I don't think it's a good idea to possibly give the results at the event, but I think uh-huh. it's a great place to meet the community um, where, the, where, again, meeting with the community, I think it's a great place to have them get tested at the bar. You know that they will be there. They will be at the bar. And so I think that's a, it's a great idea. And I'm very familiar with Arnold. He does great work. Yeah, I know. Um, now, I also had talked to someone, I mean, uh, uh, the stories that you hear with someone who was saying, and in fact, I've even heard them um, here back when the health department was all located like at Herman Kiefer and people like, you know, I'm not really feeling like going there to get tested and I talked to a fellow from Nashville who said, like, you know, he parked blocks away from where you go to get tested because he said he knew that if someone saw him, mm-hmm. they would know why they were going in there. And although he was out in his small group and around it, you know, there was that part that he didn't want to go there because many people still think 
that knowing that you're HIV positive is a death sentence. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in fact, we just heard about something where they're talking about changing the legislation to making it not be a, a felony that if you don't disclose to everyone. Do you have those yeah. conversations when you're out and about with people? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people that I test when they come in to get tested, um, they they are afraid, even if negative, they were like, I, I was just scared to come. I don't want anyone to know. Um, I have my wife in the car. It's, a lot of things happen to where they're ashamed to j- just get tested, period. And I believe it's because it is a disease that you catch sexually or an injection drug use. So I think it's, the stigma absolutely comes from the way that you can track the virus. But it's nothing, as we say here, it's nothing safer than knowing what's going on with you and being honest with yourself. And if if to come back reactive or positive, taking care of yourself, I think it's important for people to know that it's not a death sentence and it is a disease that is manageable. And I think that's what right now the world doesn't really know because people are afraid to find out about it. People really don't want to talk about it. And I think the more we talk about it and have these conversations about exactly what it is and how it can be handled, then we could probably end the stigma together. And that's our, one of our main goals here is that it's sexy. Well, uh, um, you know, Akila, I know that when you you have worked with women who are affected, and we know, I mean, there's still, and I think that that's that misconception, too, where people go like, well, it's a gay man's disease. But it's it's more than that, that women are affected and doing it. How does your involvement with Status Sexy reach women? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, you know, Status Sexy is something that, Initially, like from the Rust Boys, it was for MSM 13 to 24. But um, in kind of our reshaping and rebranding of some things, uh, we've had thoughtful discussions about kind of expanding our demographics. So actually, status sexy, we're using that to target MSM transgender women and heterosexual women between the ages of 13 to 24. And, you know, something we say, you know, uh, although statistics tell us who has, uh, is among the highest prevalence, everybody is at risk if you're sexually active. And it's important that no matter who you are, knowing your status is important and your status is sexy. So, you know, we are working on putting a plan together to work more closely with um, women. Right now we have a barbershop initiative where we do condom distributions to some of the barbershops, and we're going to be expanding that to the beauty salons and working with some of the different sororities and fraternities on campus and having some thoughtful outreach around women as well as MSM and trans women um, uh, around HIV and stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, you have an extensive background, but you said you decided to come back to Detroit and to be a part of that renaissance. When you were thinking about coming back to Detroit and being part of the renaissance of Detroit, did you see, how did you see the work that you're doing fitting in? I know that many people would want to say, you know, they want to talk about the fun, the good things about Detroit, you know, Midtown and the, and the new restaurants and all like that. But, you know, they would say, well, to say that there's HIV in Detroit, that's not, you know, the renaissance we want to talk about. How did you overcome that? And how did you bring your experience, your background and bring that into the discussion of 
the importance of it being a part of the renaissance of Detroit. Yeah, and, you know, and I don't think it was anything for me to necessarily overcome. You know, I speak with with confidence and, and conviction, and, you know, there's no shame in the field of work mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm in. You know, I'm proud to, to share with everyone. Um, in fact, you know, when I was younger and an undergrad, I was amongst a very small population of my peers that actually stayed here in Detroit. Um, a lot of my, my peers went away, went down south to HBCUs. I didn't. So I stayed here for undergrad, and I left for grad school. And I always knew that, like, I wanted to come back home, even when I was in Florida at grad school. I knew I was there for a reason to gain this knowledge and experience, and I wanted to take it back home. Um, You know, because while I have um, experience overseas and doing some international work, we have a lot of issues right here on our home front. And I didn't feel comfortable working and advocating really hard for another city or another population when, in fact, my own home front was struggling. So it was important to me um, to come back home to just be a part of the revitalization of Detroit. And a part of that revitalization is employing young professionals in the city of Detroit. So I wanted to definitely be a part of that and be able to be a spokesperson and get my peers involved and spread awareness and go to their events and, and do different things. So I, I, it's, it's definitely nothing that I had to, to overcome. You know, I'm happy with the work that I've done. Public health is very important to me, um, and I think my peers know that, and I think the community knows that. I think the thing is that I'm like in the, the 80s and whatnot, we aren't seeing these stories on the news of people dying as a result of of HIV, right? So the the talk and the buzz about it has has gone down in a sense, but it's still here and it's still affecting people of color. So I think us here at Unified and especially within like mobilization and prevention, like we're really working hard to get that word out, like, no, HIV is still here. You know, it's still around. It's still something that we have to deal with every day. Um, and so that, that's important. I think we're doing a good job at, at doing that. And, you know, a part of our department, we do mobilization, but we also do a lot of work with the University of Michigan, community-based research efforts where we're working with the community to kind of inform research. So specifically around stigma and barriers, you know, I know that you've done a show with the, our stigma index at one point uh-huh. a few years back. So working with the Leadership Council of the Stigma Index to kind of guide some of the work that we do or having youth advisory boards, like that's all very, very important. And, and it's going to be a part of, of Detroit's renaissance. Like we're here, you know, our office is in the heart of Detroit. We're right here in the Fisher Building. Um, you know, we're happy to announce we have our prep clinic that recently opened. <laughs> that could be a whole nother show. <laughs> Uh-huh, um, which, uh-huh. which, is, which is super amazing. So. Now, I don't know, Kiran, if you knew Renee McCoy. Like, Renee McCoy, I mean, is like one of the – well, she's back and forth now. She's in Seattle. Like, she's like one of the, the elders of the community. And it tickled me okay. as I was reading, and you were talking about how you did the bar outreach because I interviewed her, and she was saying how, like, she had gotten away from from everything, from church and stuff, and – a bar outreach team from a church had come and caught up with her. And I'm going like, wow, and I, can, I don't know when that was. But, she, mm-hmm. but here, you're still doing bar outreach. 
And, yes. you know, I mean, when you think, because I was asking her, I said, well, you know, you're in the bar. You know, you think about, you know, getting your groove on, and here someone wants to come and talk about something serious. Well, when you're doing bar outreach, you know, do how do people react? I mean, and how do you how do you approach people to start to to have this this conversation, or to to do you just like go to the bowl and make sure the bowl stays full of condoms? Like, how do you no. how do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we do our bar outreach, we basically we set up an outreach table. So uh, status sexy, we have things that attract people to us. So we have um, swags. Aesthetic sexy swag. And so we have wristbands and we have glasses and we have all of these things that people want to come to us. So people come to the table like, hey, what is this? Can I have one of those? And then we engage in the conversation, well, what is status sexy? And then they find out what it is and they see there's lubrication in these condoms. And then that's how we have that conversation. So we use things to attract people to us. And then they, the people come to us, and then we distribute the condoms to them and tell them who we are and ask them do they want to volunteer with us. And people, they, they love us here in the community, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to take our first break here. And um, if you're just joining us, we're talking about status sexy. Do you know yours? We'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. Here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I'm talking to two of the Status Sexy team members. It is a program under Unified HIV Health and Beyond. And, you know, and I guess, Akila, you know, I hear what you're saying, and I know that how has it changed? I know back in the day um, there was a – we had someone at the health department, which at one point in time had been Renee McCoy, there was a woman in AIDS committee, which was sponsored by the state. Um, it wasn't under the current uh, governor, but where they were able to, and, and under that also came up like the gospel and AIDS, you know, so there was all these interfaces. But yes, then the money, uh-huh, yeah, so, but, but then, it, but you know, like when the money started to go, yeah, you know, people weren't getting the Ryan aid funding and it, and it started to go. How are you connecting with the community? And I know that even then, I know that, okay, there are some sexy people lived in churches, but I'm sure that they don't really want to hear, do you switch and, and put on your unified hat when you want to bring the message like to a more like a church or whatever? And then you know, how do you do that? Well, and that was one of the cool things about, that is sexy and us working 
um, with the, the branding for Status Sexy. So we're very deliberate when we use our unified logo or when we use our Status Sexy logo. So, for example, mm-hmm. the reason why Status Sexy is so well received in the community is because, you know, when, when people are, are out and partying and having fun, like having something that says HIV all the time on stuff kind of is dampering to people's, people's moods mm-hmm. or something that they don't want to talk about. But if you want to talk about, say, sex, and how sex is great and pleasurable, and these are some cool, safe things that you can do to have amazing sex, like, people are going to be engaged um, with that. So, and in terms of, like, going to churches or community events, that's when we more so switch to our Unify HIV Health and Beyond hat. Um, and we work closely. Gospel Against AIDS um, kind of has space out of our, our office. Um, we work very closely with Gospel Against AIDS as it relates to, like, the stigma index and some of our other testing initiatives under the, the, prevention, the prevention department. So knowing when to, to work with them. And, you know, I think that we've been, our organization has been around for so long, over 30 years. Um, so we have a plethora of um, community-based partners. So I think we're really good about knowing when to kind of tap into what resources, when it's important to, you know, we call Felix and Paula all the time for mm-hmm. advice when we're, you know, we're working to connect and engage with religious religious leaders and faith leaders because that's, that's a different type of population to tap into that is not necessarily something that we've mastered, but we have Felix and Paula who are great liaisons for that. Um, and we're actually working to get a framework for dialogue started, a Detroit implementation with that. And that is um, like a three-day convening with faith-based and religious leaders around HIV and stigma and kind of really getting the church connected and involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, and it, it, there's such a strong message about it. And, I mean, one of the things that I love about them and hearing them talk about it is how they talk about thriving with it. And there's so many people who are not only living with but thriving. I mean, you know, it's not like a short lifespan. I mean, I've met people who are like in their 70s, you know, black gay men who are in their 70s who said they never thought that they would be there, you know, and here they are. Um, Kwan, now you, your background and you had developed a presence in social media. How does the two work? And I know that they're talking about things now, regular, you know, ways that they want to block certain things on social media or to do that. But how have you incorporated social media into your work? So what I heard this commercial. I was listening to Pandora. And they had um, this advertisement for HIV, and I was a little a little educated at the time, and I felt like the I felt like the advertisement that they had was so sad, and it didn't inspire me to get tested. It didn't inspire me to want to know more. It sounded just like, oh my God, I don't. Can you cut that off? Can you turn it? And then so I did a video, and I'm like, I talked about HIV, and I kind of just shed some light on it. Like you know, it's good to know your status. You can live with this disease, and I kind of wanted to put some positivity on it. And I guess at the time what, what I know now would be trying to end the stigma. Mm. And so when I, once I did that, I got a really, really great response from a lot of people, and the video got a lot of views. And so for me, that was I wasn't looking at it at the time as work, and then I did a few more videos too because 
it's really it's really it's a it's a big thing right now in the community. Uh, there's a lot of people who are living with HIV, and there's a lot of people who are scared to get tested. And I felt like it's because of the stigma, and I felt like with me having so many friends that are living with it that I don't know about, that I do know about, I felt like it was kind of my job to let people know and get the word out that you will be okay. But you have to find out. You have to know your status, and you have to take care of yourself. And that's something that I think the message should be versus it's a scary thing, oh, let's not talk about it, that type of thing. And so I just kind of collaborated. Um, I talk about all type of things on my show, and um, Safer Sex, is just one. Of, it was one of those things. And I just reincorporated it. And once I started working at Unified, it kind of just went with everything I was already doing. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that it's important the way that you do it because it's easy to look at people. Like I know like Phil Wilson, who is the president and CEO of, of a Black Age Institute. I mean, I saw him on stage at something, and he was talking about, you know, here – uh, I don't know how old he. Let's say he was old. He he's in the AARP club at least, and he okay. was saying, you know, how he never thought he would live to be this long, and how all these things and the things that are accessed and available, and they're doing it. And I have a friend who's in Nashville, um, who I mean, at one point, Lewayne was close to dying, and now he went on. He's won awards. He's got a book out and doing all like this, but. And he and he has said like sometimes when he goes and talks to young people, they kind of look and go like, well, it's easy for you to say, man, you know, you you sort of got it all. But a lot of young people don't have the resources or don't know if the resources are there. You know, they mm-hmm. might not have a connection with a healthcare professional or where to go for about this. Do you find that that sometimes is what is keeping some people from being tested and? Does status sexy sort of like offer a balance to that? Absolutely. I will have to say absolutely. We do so many things within the community, and people just know where to go. They're, I feel like um, unified. The people here, as Akila mentioned, we don't sit behind our desks. We're very in the community. We're in your face. We're having a, an actual ball on June 9th during um, Pride. And so the barber scene is pretty big here in Detroit. It's big in the Midwest. People from all over are coming, and uh-huh. they know that this is the status sexy ball. This is the ball where you know that there's the people that pass out the con. There's the people you know to go to get tested. And so with us bringing in all these large numbers, people are finding out about our agency. And so we get a lot of people who will send messages like, hey, I want to come in and get tested. It's good to know where to go to versus having to go on Google and look for all of these places. You don't really know where to go. You don't really trust the agency. It's good to build trust and do things in the community so they know where to come to. So, yeah, I'll have to agree with that. Mm-hmm. So they get tested. I mean, they can get tested there. How then do you get there? Okay, how do they receive their results? Do they have to call back in? Do they have to do it? Because I know, like you said, you know, it's one thing to get tested, but, you mm-hmm. know, you, you're certainly not at the club. You don't want to know what the results were. But how no. do you find out and how do you Protect those because, you know, we've come a long way, but there's still a whole bunch of families that if they've heard that their son or, for that matter, their daughter had been tested, they would immediately go, like, you know, put the center robe on you and, you know, want to throw you out and do that. So how do you protect their confidentiality? How do you make sure that they know that, you know, this is a safe space this is something that you need to know, and you're going to be more confident from it. But we understand 
that your world might not offer safety. Mm -hmm. So once you come in and get tested, um, we have our – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Akila. No, I was just going to say I think that, you know, one, our testing is confidential, and we adhere to HIPAA guidelines, so we will not disclose anyone's status to um, anyone. Um, So – that I think we are we're very mindful about confidentiality, but also you know Keysus is one of our prevention leads here overseas our prevention department here in Detroit, and it's really good about making sure you know our test counselors are adequately trained and are trained on some of those cultural issues and sensitivity when it comes to disclosing people's status. So we do do rapid testing. Um, so unfortunately, we are not testing at the Pride Ball that is coming up, but, you know, we do have different community events where there is a private space where we conduct testing, and if people would like to get tested, they're more than welcome to get tested. This is nothing that that we are coercing the community to do or telling people that in order to get into our ball for free, you have to be tested. Um, so those aren't any of the tactics that, that we use. Sometimes we do incentivize and say, you know, if you get tested or, you know, we do syphilis testing or we do hep testing, um, if you get tested for some of these things, then we can kind of uh, provide some incentives. Um, so we try to be really mindful about that because we do understand that it might damper people's moods um, to be partying and then to, to find out that you're positive. But I think we have a really good team of people um, that will immediately get those individual things to care um, because, again, like we like to meet the community Meet the community where they at, where they are around around sensitive issues like like that. Now you know one of the things that that um, Solomon shared with me is he said like there had been a time when there were many organizations that were incentivizing getting tested like hey you get tested you get in free you get tested you get that and his one of his concerns was that this might skew the numbers. I mean, because some people might get tested more than once, you know, just for this incentivation. Is that why, you know, is that why you don't really do that a lot? And is that a a reality, something that you have to think about when you're looking at where you're going to be and how you're going to do it? Um, I think that's more so a question for our prevention department um, in terms of strategies around, um, when to test people, but we do recognize that like, we do dancing in the park, our national testing day, and we recognize that people do get tested more than once sometimes if, if they're incentive. Um, and we try to capture as much data as we can around that. Mm-hmm. But your end, you know, because I can see, I can see Kawan going like, Kawan doing like, hey man, you already got a bracelet, okay? That's enough. <laughs> you, know, you know, no more bracelets. <laughs> no. No, no. I mean, you know, no. but you'll give them as many bracelets as they want. But the whole idea is like, but your job is is not. How much of your job is making people aware, encouraging them to be get tested? Uh, spreading a new gospel that, that knowing your status is sexy, that it, it builds for your confidence, and as opposed to gathering numbers? Well, data is very important because data helps us continue to, to keep our, our funds. However, 
you know, our department is to mobilize the community. So, and we're trying to prevent those who are not positive from getting positive. And those individuals who are positive, we want to refer them to our other departments to get them linked to care to make sure that their health care is on the right path. Um, mm-hmm. And in mobilizing the community, we have things like the Pride Ball, which is a prevention ball where there will be lots of prevention messages. There will be uh, lots of things to get people linked to care and services. There will be a lot of volunteer opportunities. There will be a lot of cool sex-positive messages for the community to go around. We do a lot of things that have status sexy swag. So not only do we have condoms that have our logo on them, you know, we have wristbands and we have buttons and we have some cool surprises that are coming out this summer in terms of, of our swag. You'll have to, to stay tuned to, to see what we have coming up for, for the summer. So we like to have fun sex-positive things that have our logo on them that will inspire people to, like, maybe look up Status Sexy. If you look it up, you'll mm-hmm. go to our website. And on our website, you know, it's, again, very sex positive, has cool information, talks about prep, talks about testing. You can punch in your zip code and find your nearest testing location. Um, so you can live chat. Uh, so we like to do those things. But we also do collect collect numbers, too. So we measure how many condoms we're distributing. We measure the swag that we're sending out. We get qualitative information around our focus groups, our our community advisory uh, committees that we have with young people. Um, So we do do collect data in that that respect. Now, if you want to know specifically about testing and data and and methods for that, that's something that we'll have to get back to you on and get those those numbers because that's not something that we deal with in this mm-hmm. department specifically. Um, mm-hmm. But they do capture data. We all capture data. <laughs> now, now Kilan, you know, I also noticed that you are Mr. Let's Talk About It, which I love. But um, yes. you, you went from having this social media presence, but now you are Mr. Let's Talk About It. People see you. They mm-hmm. know who you are. They know what you're doing. What have you learned new about this that, you know, that initially where you just wanted to make people know, what have you found that you have learned new that you didn't know before? And what do you do to make sure that, I mean, you're not a walking encyclopedia, but that you know enough (laughs) about what's happening. So if someone recognizes your face and they come to you and they ask you a question, that you can give them enough information to guide them to the right place or to make a better decision? Well, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is how to be a professional and use all of the information that I've learned here at Unified and apply it to, I have to say, my daily life because it's nothing that I can turn off or turn on. It's an ongoing thing all the time. Um, Even if I'm out having a good time. People come up to me asking questions. Hey, I want to get tested. I feel like this is going on with me. And I feel like it's all about right now being a professional and making sure that at all times I'm able to give that information when necessary. Because I never know when someone's going to contact me. People contact me through social media. And it's the connection that I've made to make sure that I'm putting clients and people that I meet into the right, point them in the right direction. So, yeah, the biggest thing I've learned is to be a professional, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yes. Now, and it, and it clearly isn't. Like, you know, you both have said it isn't a nine-to-five job, but do you find particularly because you have this this media presence, the social media, but people know you and I said, that you, do you ever feel like you're always on? And what do you need, like, when, you know, you need to have a moment when you want to say, no, man, I don't have any condoms in my pocket for you. I just need to take a, you know, I just need, I just want to have a, uh, a well, cocktail here and relax, you know? Well, see, the thing is, being the community outreach specialist, I always do have condoms. And <laughs> it's really crazy because if you come out, like, I have condoms. I have condoms. I do have them all the time. And most of the clubs that we do outreach at, I work, I MC at those clubs. And so I'll probably have maybe a maybe a small thing of condoms in the back just in case one asks me. And then we have this, we have um we have like a um, I don't know what to call it. It's a it's like a box you put on the wall and you can pull condoms in there. So I make sure that's always built up every month. So um, if I'm there, there's condoms there. That's just how it is right now. Okay, Akila. Now he has put the bar pretty high. <laughs> He's put the pretty bar pretty high as well. Um, as being the, the 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 face of status sexy, do you find that people come to you and with the same expectation that you have no, that you've got the current information that you've got to hook up? No, ma'am. I you know Kwan <laughs> is our outreach specialist, so it is his job to be out in the community and in the clubs and the bars. I'm more so uh, behind the desk writing grants, making sure our programs are flowing working with our community-based partners, so I don't necessarily always have to have a staff. You might <laughs> catch me on a certain day of the week with a couple condoms, but uh, no, I do not. I don't have the stash. I'm not the one to come to. But when you're sitting behind the desk and you're doing it, are you looking at what's happening? And, and you know, Detroit is unique, but there are also trends that you see happening and in other cities, other locations, are you looking at those to sort of see not only for funding that might be available, but for new ways to engage the community? Always, yeah. And, you know, we try to go to conferences and try to stay abreast of what's going on and, of course, how we can, how we can better inform and how we can be innovative with, with our services because prevention is, is, is constantly evolving. You know, there are new generations of youth being born every day. Um, so, you know, we try to stay abreast of all of those things. So, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. How has the language changed? Because, you know, um, I was when I was talking to um, this fellow, Lorraine Childry, and he said, like, it used to be, he said, often sometimes when he's out talking that people don't use AIDS. They, they talk about HIV. No, yeah. Uh-huh. And that, and that, that there are some people, like he said, you know, that are living with it being undetectable. How has the language changed, and how much education do you have to give, or are you doing? Are you working at to sort of stay up with how it's changing? I mean, how, I mean, ten years ago, we didn't talk about prep. You know, we didn't talk about right. things that you could do. I mean, so I mean. To stay with that and to look at and and incorporate it not only in your language but in the grants, but for the organization. How much work does that take for you to do? I mean, I think it's I, I wouldn't say it takes a, a lot of work. It's just a part of you know our jobs. We have different 
presenters that come in and, and do lunch and learns with us to talk about what's new or what's emerging or what's coming down the pipeline, um, you know, at different conferences we go to where we learn about, you know, we're not using the word AIDS anymore because that's more stigmatizing. Um, mm-hmm. So in an effort, I think, in this, in this, um, in the limelight of an effort to decrease stigma, I think we're able to kind of look at some of these things a little more closely um, and just, you know, being sensitive and being aware of people's pronouns. Um, you know, 10 years uh-huh. ago, we weren't necessarily asking that. That's now a part of a lot of people's email signatures. But it's, it's, it's important. Um, so language is always changing. It's emerging. Um, and I think that social media informs us about that. Um, the news informs us about that. The CDC informs us about that. You know, with PrEP, there's a lot of stuff that has changed. You know, PrEP is new. PrEP is novel. PrEP is something that we're trying to definitely bring more education and awareness to within our communities. So understanding the language around that, but also a language around that that will be received in the African-American community because what PrEP looks like for white gay men is not the same as what it looks Mm -hmm. like for black gay men. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, do you feel that are the people who you're working with are predominantly African American? I mean, you know, because I mean, you're in Detroit. I mean, and now we've got all these new people coming in. Um, but is is your audience primarily African American? And are people who are not African American or communities of color are they looking for your services? Looking to partner with Status Sexy? So Status Sexy, um, our demographic, we are um, black, MSM, transgender women, black and Hispanic, MSM, transgender women, and heterosexual women, ages 13 to 24. So in the purposes of Status Sexy, yes, we are specifically looking at the minority population in southeastern Michigan. Um, And we've had different states and different people reach out to us wanting us to send them Status Sexy uh, swag and information. However, um, you know, we are funded by um, the state, so that's not something that we're able to send our stuff because that's not a part of our demographic. So satisfactorily, our outreach is for young black people. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you mentioned transgender women. Trans okay. women and heterosexual women. Okay, what about trans men? I mean, are they like sort of slipping through the cracks? Um, do they sort of like fall, you pick them up, or if there isn't because, I mean, our transgender women, that community is a much larger, I mean, it's more visible than trans Correct. men. They're but, more visible, and the data that, you know, we have support um, our efforts for outreach for trans women specifically. However, I would like to note that, you know, I think trans men are just as important. And in, in the purposes of Kwan and his outreach, if a heterosexual man or a trans man comes up and asks him for a condom, he's not going to tell them no. We're not mm-hmm. going to deny anybody condoms who ask for condoms. We are just trying to target our outreach to reach a specific population. Mm-hmm. But we understand with that, you know, going to uh, having condoms at a barber shop. You know, there could be a, a trans man that's coming to get his hair cut. There could be plenty of heterosexual men that are coming to get their hair cut. And then there are also MSM coming to get their hair cut. So we recognize that in the work that we do, we are 
inadvertently reaching some of everybody, and that is okay. And that is, mm-hmm. that is, that is the work that we do because, again, HIV, everybody is affected by it in some one, mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the rec boys, I mean, at one point, and a lot of what you saw that at the rec boys, and there is also that, that, that group, many of them passed through the Ruth Ellis Center. And I know that now the Ruth Ellis Center has a whole health component. And um, are you working with them? Yes, we have uh, an MOU with Ruth, Ruth Ellis, as well as many of the other uh, community-based organizations in the city. Mm-hmm. So we do K1 and Keith work with Ruth Ellis, yes. Mm-hmm. And they're actually mm-hmm. one of the sponsors, one of our VIP sponsors for our Pride Ball on June 9th. And they're one of the awardees as well for our ball. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's, that's good to go. No, good to know because, I mean, one of the things that, and, and, you know, there can't be enough places for testing because you often find people, there are as many young men, women who don't go, who might not fall through, fellas, but are out there, um, some living dangerously, but need to know about this and, and know the, con- the confidence that you can get out of knowing your status and being protected for it. We're going to take our second break here on Collections by Michelle Brown. When we come back, we'll talk more with the face of status sexy, Kwan Hill, and learn more about the program. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. We're back talking with the face of Status Sexy, a program of unified HIV health and beyond. Kwan Hill. Kwan, where is home? Um, I grew up in Hamtramck, mm-hmm. very very diverse city. So um, that's where I grew up, and I went to school. I went to all the Hamtramck schools, and I kind of was a little chatty in class. So my mom thought it'd be a good idea to send me to a school where I didn't know anyone. So I ended up going to Highland Park High. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, I later on ended up going to Specs Howard, and I recently graduated there in, well, that's not recent, but last November. And, and what did you study? Uh, media broadcasting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what is your plans long term? Well, I want to have my own TV show. Oh, all right. Yeah, I want to have my own TV show. I um, started basically, I did a video about HIV 
um, a few years back, and then the video kind of went viral, so I ended up continuing on with it, um, named the show the Let's Talk About a Show, and um, I've just basically been interviewing people and getting a different perspective, getting letting people get into other people's lives, give them a different perspective of different people, a little bit like what you're doing. Um, I just meet random people and I interview them. Recently, mm-hmm. this weekend, um, I went to Columbus. I host parties as well. I went to Columbus. <laughs> Yeah, um, I host at the Woolworth every every Friday night, um, and I go across the country and host parties. And this, in particular, weekend was Columbus Gay Pride, so I hosted two of the parties, and I got a chance to interview Tiffany Parler, which is, um, I don't know if you know her, she's from The Flavor of Love. She's been on a lot of reality TV shows, so I can't wait to upload mm-hmm. that tonight. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, do you ever feel, or has everyone, anyone ever told you that, you know, that you're pretty bold. I mean, you know, I think it's it's great. I think that the more people who live authentically and are out there, it helps people see us just as people. But let's face it. I mean, people can be very cruel on, on social media. People can be very cruel in life. But you basically, you said, let's talk about it. Are you going to, you're going to media broadcasting? You're traveling all over. You're living authentically. But, you know, and I know that there's other people who might look and say, you know, uh, I don't have his, his spirit or whatever. What, when did you feel that it was important that you be out, be yourself, talk about, I mean, you're talking about HIV and AIDS, that these subjects aren't taboo and that you put the right face on it. And have you had any feedback from those haters? And how do you deal with that? Well, there's always a stigma around people who work in a field, have HIV. It's always um, you're affiliated with it. These are just some of the things that I've heard. And, And I will be honest, and I'm very, very thankful. I haven't really got a lot of negative feedback from the things that I've been doing. I honestly can say that um, I'm happy about that. But it's really because the way my mom, the way my mom raised me, she always mm. encouraged me and she always pushed me to do whatever it is that I wanted to do. She always wanted me to do it and she wanted me to do it well. And she was really encouraging. So um, with that, I've seen a need in my community and I've seen an ugly, with that in particular um, situation, HIV, I've seen that a lot of people were putting something ugly on it. With that, a lot, you know, the numbers are, are rising for HIV. So it's like, well, how do we identify with this? Do we keep making it ugly or do we identify with it and we make it better? And the people who do have it, let's get them in treatment, let's get them in care. And the people that don't, let's, get, let's teach them about prevention and how to pre- protect themselves. You know, some things that are ugly, we can, we doesn't have to be as ugly as it is. And so I felt the need to talk about it because, you know, when we talk about stuff, when we talk about stuff, we get a better understanding. And that's what the world, I believe, the world needs understanding. Because if we understand something, we don't fear it. Because what we fear, we normally tend to hate. And that's just something mm-hmm. I believe. I think that that part, that part is, is really great because, like, it is, like, often how they talk about people, like, are reclaiming words or whatever and taking it and making it their own. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you do that. And how... I think it's, I always love it when I hear people say, oh, my mom, my parents, they supported me because we have so many people who say, you know, they're estranged from their families or they don't have that support. Mm 
how Absolutely. how much has it does it mean to you? And does your mother ever say, "Okay, you need to tone that down," particularly when you you were going to go on and, and become the ambassador for Status Sexy? What was her reaction to that? Well, she um, recently she was she was just really really proud, and she was just mm. wow, you know, she was really proud. She's like, I can't believe that you have become what you've become. And she recently sent me a text message, and it kind of made me emotional. She just was like, I'm just so proud of the person that you are. I have so much respect. You know, your mom tells you this type of stuff. She's like, I just have mm-hmm. respect for the work that you do. And I was like, wow, you know, and that support is really strong for me. And my mom's like my best friend, so I know I always can have that to lean on. Oh. And that makes mm-hmm. me feel really strong. Oh, that, that, that's great. That's really great. So have, have you ever had, does your mother ever go to any of, you know, like you tell me how you're hosting parties and things and you're all over. Has she ever attended something and seen you, like, in action? Yes. Um, <laughs> I hosted um a good Friday at the Woolworth, and she was there. And then she recently was at the Status Sexy Ball, which was a really shock to me. I didn't know she was coming. So she was <laughs> yeah, so she was uh-huh. there. How did you How did you realize she was there? I mean, you just sort of looked out kinda in the audience. Into and... each other. Yeah, we kind of bumped into <laughs> each other. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, and that's so that was wonderful. really crazy. Mhm. Now, do you have siblings? Yes, um, I have a sister um, that I grew up with, and then I have siblings on my father's side. I have, um, I believe, three brothers now and two sisters. My dad's still having kids. I don't know what's wrong with him. He's still doing it. <laughs> I don't have relationships with the newest ones, the two new ones, mm-hmm. so I don't know much about them. But for sure, I have a sister and two brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, okay, your media status, do they feel like, you know, do they... Are you like a uh, a fam the family celebrity? Like they say, oh, you know, he's online. He's he's gonna. And do they do they see you like? Oh yeah, one day he's gonna have his own TV show. Yeah, um, my grandma, on my dad's side. She's just um, when I had my billboard, when they put the first billboard up of me, she was like, "That's my grandson on a billboard." And so when I came to Thanksgiving, on my dad's side of family, I don't really see them that much. So when mm-hmm. I came to the um, Thanksgiving dinner. Everyone's just like, so you're a celebrity now, like you're a celebrity. I'm just like, it's, it's so crazy because it's like, well, I am on the billboard, but I wouldn't necessarily say a celebrity yet, but mm-hmm. we're, I think we're all going into the right direction. How did you feel when you when you first were driving down the street and you saw that billboard and you were like, oh, my God, that's me? What was your reaction to it? It was literally... Unreal. I remember I remember working with the Detroit Health Department and we were talking about how that looks and what we were going to do with that and how the campaign was going to go. And they also had this thing where um, it's the geo, I can't even think of the name of it, but it's, a, it's something geo, it's a something geo. And basically what it does is the ad will pop up online or anything circulating the area. So you can just be online and playing Candy Crush like that, and then the ad will pop up with my face on it. So a lot of people were sending me that, sending me that stuff and all of that. So I was like, wow, this is really, really crazy. So shout out to the Detroit Health Department. I really appreciated that. And I'm glad we were all able to push the message the right way, stay ready, get tested. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and you're going into TV. I mean, so it's like, you know, you're not going to have an – you've already been doing that. So, you know, to see that. But I imagine, you know – because I know the first time that I saw the poster, first of all, I was like, wow. You know, first of all, here's this big billboard. And what they're t- and I'm going to, like, that's, 
that's great. And I and I didn't know you then, but I was like, wow. You know, I felt that you were brave because a lot of people talk to talk. But if you came down to saying, let me put your picture up on a billboard, let me write about you in the LGBT paper, they go like, well, no, you know, I'm, I'm good with doing this stuff, but not out front there. And like I said, you are, in that instance, you, you said, okay, I'll be the face of Status Sexy. And it's coming up everywhere, and you're seeing that. Now, who gives you balance? When that went up there and you're, and you're feeling kind of good, is it your mom or is it friends who sort of say, look, don't let your head get too big? <laughs> you're still RK1. Yes. I think with the balance is definitely God. And I always, in my, in my head, I know where I want to be, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't get distracted. But I just try to, I don't get distracted by like, oh I think I'm this or I think I'm that. I don't do that because I always keep myself level. And with the work that I do, I always am in the community, so I stay in the community. So I never want people to feel like oh he's he feel like he's above he's that because my job is to I am a community outreach specialist. So I always want to be available to the people. I always want to be available to help out. And the only way I'm going to be able to be available to the people is if I'm with the people. People. That's how mm-hmm. I understand what they need and how I can help them. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I think that balances me out because I'm always in their face, so it doesn't seem like all of this other stuff is going on until I then I go out of town and it's like, oh my god, you know the whole thing. Like I follow you and all of that, and I'm like, wow. So I never really think about it because there's so much work to do. You get caught up in yourself. That's selfish. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, and I know people who who do a lot of things, but. You went to school, like you said, I'm going to be on in the media. I want to have a show. I want to, you know, do like that. And you decided you went, you chose Specs Howard. You went back and you did that. How, what did you learn that, I mean, you were doing it, but how did that enhance? And what would you say to a young person who's thinking about doing it about the importance of the education piece? You definitely want to go get your education. I'm actually considering possibly going back to school for journalism. Um, Mm -hmm. Howard taught me so much as far as just speaking, as far as learning how to um, work Final Cut Pro. They told me about being a real, like, basically like a journalist, you know, doing your research before you do before you do a show. Like, when I used to do shows, I would just kind of do what I thought I knew or whatever, and they told me about research and making mm-hmm. sure I'm pronouncing my words right and standing up. And uh, the stand-ups are crazy. I remember that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, that and, it, and it is, it's a good thing that a lot of people don't know and you never know when the opportunity is going to to come. But, you know, I have people who often who will say, oh, I have to do a speech or whatever. I've never done it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or they'll pass up opportunities, you know, because they don't feel that they have the background or that they would be good at it. Um, so you told me that you just came back from Columbus. Where else is on? And this is – and you were hosting – a party or you like emceeing the party? Yes, yeah, so um I emceed um this night party that they have for their gay pride and then they had a daytime mm-hmm. party 
and then they had another night party in which I interviewed New York. And um, I did another Pride earlier in Las, this year in March in Las Vegas. And you guys can check that out on my website, the Let's Talk About It show, so you guys check that out. Um, I uh-huh. had Big Frida, so that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. I bet it was. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I was so mm-hmm. excited, I didn't even know what this So there was the ball down at the Majestic. Okay, and we already know that your mom surprised you, but what was the turnout like, and how did, in comparison to past balls, what was different this year? Um, The attendance was phenomenal. The energy was extraordinary and a lot of people came that never been to balls before um Mm -hmm. ballroom has been so mainstream within the last three years i think a lot of people got to see it firsthand i think they really were able to enjoy it wasn't this your first ball no um i've been i've been to a couple of them in chicago okay but it was my first one first time here seeing it here and what do you think about it i thought it was exciting i mean it was like what i'm used to seeing Mm -hmm. and it was just like there's a really great energy. There's a great energy. I thought that there were, there were a lot of people there who I also saw who went there. But what I liked about it, it was really, and what I like about balls, it's that celebration. It is like a culture of, and, and the people who are of that culture. Like I've seen other things, like people talk about like drag shows. And drag shows sometimes can be entertainment and not necessarily for entertainment for our community, but entertainment for the other, where a ball is a celebration of culture, and it's, it's showing what you got in it and being proud and, and you know, just showing off yes, your best it is. stuff. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. And so Detroit um, has had previously had a bad reputation for balls, and I think that you know these status sexy balls is really a great help from moving away from that. And I think we kind of set a standard in the city of Detroit this year of what a ball should look like and how it should be ran. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like we really did that. And amazing job to everybody here at Status Sexy and Unify. Everyone worked extremely hard, and I'm proud of everybody. I'm glad we had the turnout that we did. Now. You are, I mean, there's a merger between what you do mm-hmm. and then there's Unified, which is, is about it, but it's also more like mainstream or established. How mm-hmm. has that merger come about? Like your ideals, your energy, that mainstream, and that there has to be a merger and a meeting of the minds. How, and like you said, you really appreciate the support they gave you on this, but how has that been? Is it an education on both sides? On Unified and Static Sexy? Mm hmm. Well, Unified and Static Sexy, it is the same thing. It's the same, it's the same organization. Static Sexy is our community campaign mobilization. So we're. Um, well, of course, with Unify, we have our care team. We get people into care that are HIV positive, and we have our prevention side of that. And then we have our um, community campaign mobilization, which is, you know, our volunteers and, you know, me as a community outreach specialist, and we have our research and mobilization. And so it's the same thing. It's just under something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a it's, it, it all really works the same. We all work together. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing. 
So, you know, we have Motor City Pride. Yeah. Um, there was Ferndale Pride, and I missed you at Ferndale Pride. In fact, I came up to the, and it was kind of cool, because I came up to the table and I asked them where you were, and they said, oh, he's out there talking to somebody. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of cool, because that's, that's your personality, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but Hotter Than July is coming up. And based on what everyone's been talking about as far as um, the market, um, that status sexy really is going, you know, the African-American community, but also primarily African-American same-gender loving men. Yes. So it's like, it's like this is like your, a really big event because really hotter than July is where even if we are, closeted or whatever, that weekend, or it's a little more than a weekend, that we come out, we come to the picnic, we're going to things. So it's a very target-rich market. What do you have, what's your strategy, is your strategy different for Hotter Than July? And how do you intend to to make the most of this really target-rich opportunity? So for Hotter Than July, we, we want to definitely do um, our outreach table and have all of our new swag, and we're working on some T-shirts right now, so we want to make sure we have those out. We're going to definitely be doing testing from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the 28th of Hotter Than July. Mm-hmm. Um, the testing will be from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., but um, Unified instead of Stacey will be doing it from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. But prior, before, hotter than July, leading up to that, this weekend, if anyone's interested, it's um, June 23rd, it's National HIV Testing Day. So we have this event called um, Dancing in the Park, and that's where we'll have a DJ, we have free food, HIV testing, and this is another way, and this is going to be in Parma Park as well, and this is another way that we target the demographic that we love, um, we we serve. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really great event too. Everyone comes out, have a good time, get tested. It's really fun. So if you're available, or you know some friends, come on down, grab a bite. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I mean, so that, that's really nice. You know, like you said, you're going to be there. I mean, there are, are lots of of other events that go around around harder than July where yeah, you absolutely. have like have tables and brochures and your swag and stuff out there. Yes. Mhm. Mhm. You know, the summer is. I mean, with all these prides, it's really that when things slow down, what other areas do you see Status Sexy wanting to to go into besides, I mean, you know, I mean, there are events that you can go into. Obviously, there's conferences that you can go into. You have the media campaign. But if you looked down the road, what do you see Status Sexy evolving into as far as information, as far as new ways to reach other people? I see it evolving into a huge brand and being able to reach people in large amount of numbers with creative ways. Um, hopefully, I want us to have commercials. I want us to have commercials for our hotline. I want us to have commercials with our, explaining why we have swag and explaining why, why we do what we do in a way that can reach the people we're trying to reach. And I say that by saying, like, I don't want us to be um, an agency where we're, you know, the, the typical boring, get tested, take it away. I want it to be fun, you know, and I, that's, that's what I see for Static Sexy on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. 
That's well, I mean. you know, because, I mean, after a while, like you said, you know, and how do you keep it fresh? People are still turning up positive, you know, mm-hmm. so how do you keep the message fresh and then going to that? Because do you ever see um, on campus having a bigger presence, like being on different campuses, like down here you've got Wayne State, there you've got your different Wayne County community colleges, and even on campuses like Michigan, Michigan State, do you ever see expanding to having a campus outreach? Wow. We actually have a great relationship with Wayne State, but you just gave me a great idea. We, um, we've had talks with Wayne State. Um, we did presentations with Wayne State, but it would be great if we could have some type of community group with Wayne State, maybe even having, like, um, we do this thing here at Stacey. I have, I um, facilitate these things called Pillow Talk. And that's when I have an organic conversation about just sex and how people are having sex and ways to protect themselves. I think that would be a great idea to reach out to Wayne State and have a group with the people that are in college and school and have that conversation with them. We should have a pillow talk with some of the campuses. That's a great idea. I'm going to write that down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I, I can, uh, when you have to tell people, you know, well, when people are, are in school, you know they are. So why aren't we talking about it? on campus why aren't we talking about it in groups you know where you know you have a place where you can go and feel comfortable talking about it you know so no charge no charge for that idea (laughs) (laughs) thank you because it's really a great idea reaching out to Mm -hmm. because we have great relationships with these places wayne state oakland university maybe even possibly reach out to henry ford community college and i would love to get to the high schools but i don't know what that looks like but um you know i don't know I don't know how, how high schools would work, but, you know, like you said, that, um, between the community colleges, the colleges, you know, you could see where that would work because often, you know, uh, and I think the community college is important to add in because all of us aren't able to go immediately right there, but you might start out, you know, in a community college and it's there and someone is talking with you about it and, you know, to have that, that kind of information. So I know that you're always... You're always still um, looking for volunteers and people to help out. Is it for, because like I said, Highland in July is a really target-rich area. Are you looking for additional volunteers? Um, as of right now, we're always accepting volunteers, so people will- <laughs> We're always looking for them, but we um we have we have our schedules for hot in July. We're actually making those right now, but again, mm-hmm. we're always volunteers, so that's open. Mhm. Okay. Well, I wanna thank you for taking some time to to help me fill in the blanks. Um, and I'm going to one day I'm going to catch up with you to sort of sit down and have a face to face with. Yes, you. I would love that, and we can talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I want to thank today's guest, Akila Benton and Kaywan Hill from StatusSexy.com, a program of unified HIV health and beyond. Remember, one of the most powerful ways to manifest your sexy magic is by knowing your status. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. Join us next week 
when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.